Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And here we are for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. And uh, via mobile this week, Boxhead, you're away for uh, school and coaching. What, what are you, what's the go? Under 14s, was it? Uh, under, so I'm away at the CHS Rugby League Trials in Wollongong. So uh, I've got the 15s gold side, so. Uh, which is basically the kids from Sydney West and Sydney Southwest. So Hills, Westfields, Bass, Chifley, uh, and a few other schools spotted in there. So that's been good. They'll pick the uh, they'll pick the state, the New South Wales CHS under 15s and under 18s tomorrow. So it'll be good. The boys play three games and in a bit of a block around Robin style from the different regions and uh, yeah, they'll pick state side tomorrow who are going to play in a tri-series so 15s and 18s will play against New South Wales Catholics yep MCS New Wales, yeah, yeah New South Wales Independents and obviously the CHS will make up that tri-series that's in week uh, the last week of term last week of this term that's at St Mary's so anyone <laughs> in Western Sydney wants to see some footy state based stuff because there's going to be no National Carnival, obviously, because of COVID. Um, they're going to do it at St Mary's and just have a state-based tri-series, which I think is a good idea. Mm. So. Well, I remember CHS and I remember playing MCS. Uh, what's the independence? Like independent schools. Is that So it's not public schools, that's... Yeah, so I, I don't like maybe Anglicans and some of the Catholics are independent, so... Okay, so like how yeah. we, we went to Dom's, that was MCS because it's in the... Diocese, but well, it was Dom's, not. Dom's when we were at Dom's was actually an independent school going off track, but it's now a part of the Parramatta. I guess the Parramatta Diocese, yeah. But M- MCS is only one of the competitions for the Catholics, but okay. it's called CCC, Combined Catholic Colleges. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Triple C, but yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure. So they'll play the CHS, will play the New South Wales CCC and New South Wales. Uh, CIS, which is combined independent schools. This is generally what leads to Australian schoolboys, isn't it? You play this and uh, all the carnival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then what they what they're going to do is they're still going to pick a Australian schoolboys, uh, but I believe it's only from Queensland and New South Wales, and it's going to be difficult because the Australian selectors are going to have to go and watch the Queensland carnival and then the New South Wales carnival and then decide on yeah best players. Mm. Mm. Mm, that's all good. Well, there you go. Here we go. Fifth and last in our podcast for another week. We're almost at the halfway mark, round 12 this weekend. It's obviously a 25-round competition, but with a bye thrown in there. 24 games, Origin, 
right on the doorstep, something I know a lot of people are talking about, but I think we will wait another week just because of the carnage with injury, suspension and the like. Um, but set of six to kick us off, as we always do, six topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about in tackle one, it'd be remiss not to mention Bob Fulton, the legendary manly player, coach, Australian coach, selector and involved with New South Wales, played at the highest level and was one of the original immortals, um, unfortunately passed away over the weekend and, and had an involvement in rugby league as a player, coach, selector, board member, etc. for almost 50 years. I think he started playing mid-60s and it's now 2021. He's got family ties all the way through the Manly Club and um, obviously they were quite inspired on the weekend and their performance for him. Yeah, pretty terrible news. He kept that really quiet, didn't he, the, the illness? But, um, yeah, I, my first, I guess, memory of Bob Fulton was he was coaching Manly in the mid-90s. Um, and when... Penrith went to Super League. Um, I sort of, and Freddie went to the Roosters. I sort of half supported Manly because I, I love Beaver Menzies. Um, I think I had a Beaver Menzies jersey at one point. So Manly fans out there, I yeah, you did I did support your club at one point. The Pepsi um, logo. <clears throat> yeah, I reckon I still got it somewhere as well at home. Um, but yeah, like Bob Fulton was a coach, and he was probably the first coach that I. I can remember people talking about in the same ilk as a Bennett, you know, a Robinson or a Bellamy or, uh, you know, it's the first super coach that I can ever remember someone talking about. So I think he won a competition with Manly in 87 and then took them to three straight grand finals in uh, 95, 96, 97. Only won the one in 97, but they had an unbelievable side, Manly, at that point in time. And, he was coaching Australia, yep. um, and I, I never got to see him play, and nor would have you, but being immortal, he, he must have been a an unreal unreal player. So I think, you you know, as a, I wouldn't call myself a young rugby league fan, but in terms of immortals, and we are young fans, and you just got to trust that, you know, the people that saw those guys play um, have obviously got huge opinions on, on Bob Fulton and... Yeah, it's terrible. Terrible for the Manly Club. They came out and played unreal on the weekend. But uh, I know Christy, I think his daughter works at uh, Manly. I think Scott was the SG ball coach there this year. So there's certainly a lot of ties throughout the Manly Club from the Fulton family. And it, he still would have had, you know, he would have been working in the background tiles because he just loves the Manly Club so much. But uh, I, I guess probably my main memory of Bob Fulton was a continuous call team um, listening working with dad um, you know from sort of my high school years until I was a teacher used to work every Saturday and driving driving the party hire truck and nuke around and used to listen to Hadley and the continuous call team and Fulton was always on there and he could be an absolute clown and get along with the boys or he could be real analytical and he gets that, that some of that insight into I guess what made him such an excellent coach so yeah, it's always it always just is sad to lose someone who has given so much for the game and the game's only going to be poor for not having him around and contributing I think yeah 100% and uh, I apologise if anyone just picked up on that sound that was the garage because I'm on top of the second story that someone just decided to open but um, I think everything you said sums up completely and yep didn't see him play but 
I guess pretty much what I summed up and what you've brought up is his resume speaks for itself. You play the games that he did for Australia, New South Wales, multiple premierships as a player, then as a coach with Manly, um, then coached Australia for over a decade, was involved in the New South Wales selecting side of things for a long period of time. We know that he had a big involvement with Manly over a long period of time afterwards and then as more recently in the period where they had Barrett and were about to lose DCE and he was obviously a big part in that and getting some of the players they did a couple of years ago. So, um, like I said, a, a lifetime of rugby league, playing, coaching, international level, um, club level. He's got fingerprints all over the game, almost 50 years worth of service. And like you said, having not seen him play and only seen the highlights the last few days, to be selected as one of those original immortals, I think it speaks for itself that he was a hell of a player. But um, as you said, more hearing in the last 24 hours about him as a person, some of the stories and some of the things he's done for people within the club, within the game. Um, And you don't get a nickname like Bozo without obviously being a legendary player, legendary coach, but also just being a great person. So... Uh, our condolences and thoughts are with the Fulton family. Any Manly fans out there and anyone who's grown up watching Bob Fulton, and it's never never good to lose somebody in the game of rugby league. We had Tommy Rodonikas early in the year, who obviously a lot of people um, had a great affinity for. So uh, another legend gone from our game, unfortunately. Yeah, it's true. Alrighty, moving on to tackle two in our set of six, and it's week two in the uh, revised system, I guess, of hits to the head and how we're going to referee and adjudicate the game and it's landed 29 charges so things certainly didn't slow down or you know (laughs) really make a big difference in week two and looking at some of the instances as we spoke about last week and moving forward I just don't see how this is going to stop I I really like there's so many knock-on effects and here's the analogy again the bubble in the carpet Valandis is now just hammering the wall, don't tackle high, don't tackle high. It's like, have you, how do you tackle Jason Tamalola? How do you stop Tevita Pungai Jr.? If you don't stop the ball, it's a waste of time. If you can't attack the ball, it's a waste of time. Like, chop him at the legs, you get no advantage, he has his arms free, he gets a quick play of the ball, or he offloads, you hit the ball and you slip up, you get penalized. like this just... I really think if this edict's going to continue, um, there is some that are obviously just flat out and plainly stupid but there is so many again on the weekend that I thought were ones that a bit of common sense needed to be taken into account and it wasn't uh, it was very frustrating and hard to watch again yeah I'm struggling with the game at the moment uh, that's probably to put it politely like I, I despise the six again um, and I don't particularly like these rule changes either but people might view me as a bit of a a bit of a dinosaur I, I, I don't know I just think the fabric of our game has been played with too much and you know I've banged on for seven years on this podcast about how many rules we change and you know the fact that we just keep moving away from you know what are some of the traditions of our game like scrums um, I guess like traditional penalties and we're now trying to rub out contact to the head you're never going to rub out contact to the head I think what we really need to rub out is deliberate contact to the head. You know, I think we've just gone a step too far in the current approach. I think we need to wind it back a little bit and move to a model where we take into consideration what's an accident in terms of the punishment. Like, to rub 29 guys out is... It's not good for the RL. It's not good for the clubs. It's not good for the product. 
it's essentially the game cannibalising itself. I think for ones that are accidents, there needs to be fines and just get on with business. Even penalty on the field is sufficient. I think we need to really categorise the minor non-deliberate incidents and make sure that we're doing our absolute best to not suspend players. Uh, I, I truly believe that. I think if it's deliberate and intentional, throw the book at them. But, you know, for Victor Radley to be up for potentially five weeks... Well, that's been sure. confirmed. He's now been hit with five weeks. What? So he was found guilty? He was found guilty of... Uh, I think... That, that's ridiculous. Like, now he's rubbed out of, what, two games of origin? So has here live updates. He's failed at the judiciary. He's copped the five-match ban, and Crichton is currently pleading his case. I don't understand how you go to judiciary and you get more for going and pleading your case. I think that's ridiculous as well. But that's probably getting off topic, but... I don't know what the answer is. I think the current approach, we're just we're rubbing out our best players and that's going to affect the quality of the product and the way that the game's been officiating is affecting the quality of the product. And in my belief, the six again and non-penalties is also affecting the quality of the product. Um, yeah, we'll just see how it, how it pans out. But I'm turning a lot of games before you off, yeah. Well, again... Watching. It's probably not turning games off, but I'm sort of half watching games and then I'll go and watch the KO Mini, really, and watch it in sort of 20 minutes just to see the good parts of the game because there's just so many stoppages, so many things that we've... extra layers that we've added into the game in terms of officiating and looking at different things and overanalyzing. Yeah, we've, we've almost turned... it's. We're getting closer to turning the game into a real stop-start affair, and we were trying to speed the game up. So I think we're a little bit counterproductive and counterintuitive to what we're trying to achieve with what we're actually implementing and understanding the impacts that that has on the product and on the game itself. I just think, again, from coaching since we've stopped playing or playing, and again, it's been 10 years since I played after injuries and whatnot, but... Even at that yeah, point... It's been, it's been 15 since I've played, so... Yeah, but we've been involved in coaching the whole time. Like, legs tackling, literally, technique-wise, people are saying, oh, it's only because the wrestle mate. We, we stopped working on legs tackling when I was eight or nine years old. Like, it was barely a thing from the first few years I played junior rugby league, and then it wasn't a thing. Because people got bigger and the game changed, and even at those levels, without before the wrestle came in, the big thing is to stop the ball. So I'm looking at the top yeah, level... I think the leg tackle went out of the game because of ruck speed. And it was originally the Roosters started to sort of pick guys up and yeah, run and catch and get numbers in. And... Yeah, it was more about trying to put them on their back and slow the play the ball down. Because coaches are working out that obviously if you played the ball quicker, it was less time for them to get back on side. And, you know, the effect that that had on the game. I don't think it was so much for the offload. I think now it's definitely as much about the offload as it is about allowing a quick play the ball because both sort of lead into each other I mean if you yeah well the ball the ball ticks if you're ineffective with your contact then it's going to lead to a faster play the ball or, or second phase so, and broken yeah. play but that's the biggest thing out of all this and I like couldn't have given any more praise last year to Valandis when he came in they've cleaned things up they fixed the finances they got the game going with the first sport back we had the bubble. Some of the rule changes were a bit rash in mid-season. Seemed to have a good effect on the game. And early doors looked like they were doing the right thing. But 
the action the last couple of weeks and more rules in the off-season again, I was like, okay, well, it seems like we're going a little bit crazy, but I'll give credit where credit's due from what we saw in the first 12 months. But to just be so headstrong and sticking with this and bring it in mid-season again and say it was play welfare, well, like we talked about, if you want technique change, they should have been notified if this was such a big issue and these numbers already existed, which they did, that they're claiming before the season started. And then to people like Gus Gould and other people that have got way more rugby league knowledge than he's got in his little finger, whether he's a good operator or not, to just say, well, you need to tackle lower, when apparently there was one cut from the interview last week where he asked, how do you tackle Jason Tumwala? He said, tackle low. Well, I can tell you from a first-hand account when he destroyed us down in Canberra, we had four of us on him up high and we still couldn't stop the ball. If you tackle low, you're more likely to get knocked the fuck out because the bloke's got as good a footwork as an outside back and more people get that technique wrong because no one works on it. And if you grab him around the leg, he's more likely to either cop you with the hip, cop you with the knee, drag you, or just offload. So, like, it's just getting to a point where defence is almost null and void and a bit like you said last week with the T20, everything just favours attack. And then you've got the example of Sam Walker getting pummeled to death by Tavita Pungai Jr. on the weekend, whether it be tucking his arm, tucking his shoulder, dropping knees in there. Like, everything we do when we run at halves is back rows or forwards, and everything just seems to be in favour of the attacking team. Yeah. So, we... Yeah, and, and a bit like you said, and to think that Origin's a few weeks away, injuries are one thing, but the amount of players that are up on charges, suspensions, there's a few this week that are very lucky. I think Crichton, who's currently pleading the case, needs to get downgraded to be available for Game 1. I think Campbell Gillard is now suspended for up to Round 13, which is the weekend that people wouldn't have been at club football to prepare for Origin 1. So I think if he was in consideration, that game could be written off so he could go into camp. But you're heading into your showpiece. You've got an absolute clusterfuck going on with these rule changes. You're getting blokes sent off left, right, and centre, and you advertise Origin in particular on physicality, confrontation, and hatred. And we're going to be in a situation where blokes are probably going to get sin in the first 10 minutes. There'll probably be a blowout because one team might lose a couple of players, and it's just going to ruin your showpiece. And then on top of all the injuries, we've got a bunch of guys potentially missing from suspension. So you're going to have understrength teams, as you said, basically cannibalising yourself and giving a bit of a lobby here to the AFL or anyone else that's going around and I have nothing to do with the Super Rugby but from all reports people quite enjoyed the conference system now they've come together and they're mixing the New Zealand teams are pumping the Australian teams so I doubt it's being as well received uh, in, in the Australian side of things because obviously the, the difference in the golf in class but I don't understand why we would do something like this right now um, and again bringing up litigation like again we if all these things were known before the season why not integrate them before the season or do it next off-season. And then this week to say, oh, governments will get involved. and like, like just It seems like it all really just suits the agenda and the bill that they're trying to get right now. Yeah. So it's frustrating. It really is. So um, I'm sure most people are feeling it. Hopefully we do see a bit more common sense. I, I thought Matt Noyan in the Warriors game did a pretty good job the first game. There was a couple there that I was like, you know, they shouldn't be sin bin. They weren't. It's probably one of the better ones I thought Sidman was, but yeah, there was others across the weekend, like the Vaughan one where someone gets chopped and changes height. Uh, the, the couple of Radleys, I didn't think all of them were Sidminable offences. I thought the charges that he's picked up are quite insane. And then, yeah, just across a couple of the games again, the difference between what is a Sidman, what isn't a Sidman. Uh, the referees, again, with their own interpretations, much like we say with all the other rules, their ruck speed, their 10 metres, it's, it's different between all of them. Yeah. So... Yeah, a bit frustrating. But we move on to tackle three and huge news this afternoon. 
as far as uh, key playmakers go for teams. George Williams released immediately by the Raiders, and then you've got the struggling Newcastle Knights who've obviously got Blake Green back from injury who has now pulled the pin, knowing and feeling that his body's obviously not delivering what he wants it to, knows where he wants to be on the field, but he says he can't get there, which in a team that's already struggling, I know he hasn't been playing great off the back of a severe injury, but they're already in a bit of a hole halves-wise. But the George, George Williams one just, again, stirs up what Canberra's been trying to dull in terms of any issues within the playing group and <clears throat> people being unhappy with what's going on. You've had the Papali stuff, the Tapine stuff, people saying that Croker has been held out. There was the argument that how come Fox and all these people are getting these leaks from Canberra about Bateman last year. Then it was about Hodgson and him you know, stuttering the attack. And now suddenly today Fox get a hold of all this news immediately again. And apparently George Williams has dumped them by a text message and that he comes out on Twitter not long ago debunking all of that, basically saying, like, wow, what a joke this is, um, that he's texted the welfare manager and is just trying to get some support, and basically they've put it out there that he's gone, he's released, he hasn't even signed the papers. So, it's... So it's have, can you feel me? Because we, we played this afternoon. I, I saw that he was given a release. Has he been granted a release via a statement from the Canberra Raiders? All I saw was the Fox article because I was at work as well. And then not long after that, he came out himself on Twitter basically saying, like, well, that's all false, that he, you know, just texted the club and said he was leaving. He was looking for help from the welfare manager. He said at no point had he asked for an immediate release. His release that he wanted was at the end of the season, which is what we originally heard. And okay, they obviously... Well, a club, there is a club statement. Well, there you go. So, which was released at 3.55. The Canberra Raiders have agreed to release halfback George Williams from his... Co- playing contract effective immediately um, they asked for a release on compassionate grounds for the end of 2021 however the club has decided it's in the best interest of both parties to grant an immediate release to allow both parties to plan for their respective futures Don Furness said the decision to release Williams was now in the best interest for all parties George and his partners have asked on a number of occasions for a release to turn to England to close to their family were decided to grant their request George withdrew from training today and from the game this weekend, which highlighted to the club the seriousness of George's request. Over the past several weeks, we have supported George and provided him with the best welfare support we could. However, as a club, we felt that his position at the club moving forward became untenable. Yeah, well, he's going on straight after that to say... I yeah, te- I, did, I saw that on Twitter. Mm, he's um, texted to explain his mental well-being to the welfare manager. I asked for a leaks weeks ago. For the end of season, not once did I ask for an immediate release, but instead of supporting me, the club kicks me out the door. I haven't even signed a release papers yet. So he's obviously not happy. Um, as far as their situation moving forward here, it's just another unneeded leak or another unneeded dousing of petrol on the flame when you've already had Papali situation, you've had the Depine situation, you had his wife's comments. You've got the murmurs around Hodgson and player unrest. You've got guys suspended. You've got injuries. And now you've got, you know, your marquee halfback, who was very, very good last year, <clears throat> heading out the door. And then for it to end this way again, just throwing more fuel on the fire. Um, where to from here, I guess, Sam Williams is the logical one to come in and play in the halves. But the situation where they've got Starling playing as a nine, you've had Hodgson a few times sort of jump out and play almost as a half. I think it's a good opportunity if they think they can get Sam out of Hodgson to play him and Starling and put Hodgson as a half. Yeah. If they think they can get more, but then you've got the talk that Brisbane are really, really keen, and that's something 
that is on the radar. So I don't know where it goes from there, but the way he's played at times when he's out at first receiver and getting his hands on the ball, I think they could do much worse than putting him in that position with uh, Jack White and when he's back from suspension and seeing where that takes him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I just think it's probably <clears throat> smart for Canberra to move away from Wiens, particularly as their results continue to, I guess, be poor. I mean, if you were winning games, you'd you put up with it, but they're probably looking at this year and the off-field stuff that you spoke about and just thought, well, you know, let's just start to cut some of this cancer out before it, you know, seeps into other places and starts to affect other elements of your organisation and your playing group. So um, it's obviously not ideal that he's gone to Twitter, but I think that's more in response to Fox's article and the minor details around it. I think no-one's denied that he's asked for a release. Um, and Canberra, all Canberra have done is now granted with the effect being immediately, not well, later. I, so. I guess the, the situation itself, like I said, nothing's good but coming out of there. But... It's untenable. He's everything that everyone's trying to deny. Well, I don't think his performances have shown that it's untenable, but clearly they see otherwise other than that situation now. But um, interesting thing, I guess, here is it now brings another player into the halves market, which is so desperate across the competition. You've got the Sharks situation that's still not resolved. You've got Mitchell Moses, who was supposed to have taken out that option by now at Parramatta. The Broncos obviously landed Reynolds. You've got the Dragons with Norman off contract. Nico Hines, who was actually a half through the juniors at Manly before he got to Melbourne, who could play fullback. Is someone on the market. you got Austin and Widop who have been rumoured to coming home, but it just brings another team into the fold, I guess. Um, I'll, I'll throw one out there. I, Lachlan Lewis might be an option. <clears throat> what, head back to Canberra, you reckon? Yeah, maybe. You played 20 just, there. Just for this year, I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I honestly think with someone like Sam there, who's a good stopgap, they'll probably stick Sam's with him. A, Sam's a great player. He's, he's an under, underrated player. Yeah, well, on the weekend, I thought he was pretty steady considering it probably exactly what Jack sort of needs, someone that's just going to steer things around, but they need to improve all, all around the board. It's it's not as simple as just going, well, the halves are stuttering and the spine's struggling. They're not getting the go forward. They're not as good out of yardage as what they were a couple of years ago. Missing chances, obviously, Hughes. There's a lot of things going wrong. And like we said, constant yeah. off-the-field stuff. And then when you've got Bateman and other guys saying the other way, why they've got these leaks all the time and the connections with Raiders players and Ricky Stewart being good friends with Paul Kent and Hooper, all these guys seem to constantly have the information and the stories. Like, there's obviously a lot of mistrust and tension, whether they're denying it or not. It's showing in their performances and it's showing in articles and stories that are constantly coming out around the Raiders. Yeah, correct. And they've gone from grand finalists to then losing a heap of players last year, developing a lot of guys. I mean, one game away from a grand final to someone like myself thinking they're a genuine premiership contender and... Now they're borderline the top eight, and the only reason they're really in the hunt is because so many teams around them have been so poor that there's still only one win out. Like it's it's crazy to think that they could have been so poor and have all these dramas, and literally if they win a game on the weekend with four and against Penning, they could be back in the top eight. So there's still time to try and resurrect some sort of part of this season. I definitely don't think they're a premiership contender anymore, and as the weeks go by and more drama occurs, I just I just don't see it. But there's still a possibility that if they could right the ship somewhat and get some guys back on board, they could easily make the top eight. Yeah. But I just don't know how much faith we can place in uh, the club at the moment. Those bottom, bottom two positions in the top eight are going to be cannon fodder. Uh, mm, I 100% agree. Uh, 
But yeah, brings another player back into the halves market, and then in the night situation. Well, I guess once or twice a decade, we get one of those bottom eight sides, you know, make a run. But traditionally, they just they go out first week. Yep. Well, another player like we said into the halves market. Let's uh, see how that one pans out. And then for Newcastle, already struggling enough. Um, they lose another player, and I guess that ties in with our next tackle, tackle four with the halves merry-go-round and the big talk about now that some contracts have been settled at some clubs that we may see some movement with uh, the transfer window obviously being extended. So from all reports, the situation now, Blake Green is obviously retired. You've got Clifford, who was signed for Newcastle, who they wanted early, who they couldn't get. You had the Cowboys who weren't willing to let him go. Then they got Dearden. Originally, Broncos thought they were on the hunt. Now he's not in the hunt, he's outside, and they've got Kelly and Gamble and that. It looks like that's going to happen. So if that is the situation, you will likely see Tom Dearden get to go to the Cowboys, Jake Clifford end up going to the Newcastle Knights, and then Billy Walters is another one from the Brisbane side of things. It's been linked to going back to play for his dad the whole time or at least go to the squad. So uh, there's a bit of potential halves movement coming up in the next week. And then it's even been thrown out, and I thought about it today. They've dropped Chad Townsend at Cronulla, and he's supposed to go up there. I don't know if they've got the cap room right now, as is for the Cowboys situation. But if I'm Cronulla, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, you still don't know what you're doing. You know you've lost Chad, or you're happy to move on from Chad. You've half-assed an offer for Sean Johnson, who's not healthy and not playing. They've sort of had Moylan on and off. They've got Trindle. You've got Tracy, who's naturally a half, who's been outstanding playing in the wing position. Like, if you are done with Chad Townsend and you've dropped him this week and you're done with Moylan and you're over that, like, you need to start playing Trindle, try all these guys and try and figure out what you've got moving forward. Yeah, or just start to start their process of first-grade development. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know quite where they go from here, but if they've dropped Chad this week and you've got those three or four yeah, they're, options... They're pretty strong in the lower grades. Like, we've, we ran into Glebe on the weekend and I know... Uh, the cup side ran into uh, the Jets a few weeks back and um, you know both beat us quite comfortably so uh, they've got some they've got some good depth there in their lower grades so there's a lot of options for the Sharks I mean they don't really they really don't need to handcuff themselves to a playmaker who A isn't playing well and B is going to not going to be at the club next year so it makes sense like what you said makes sense yeah, and, and it also, you know, what you said earlier makes sense as well in that, you know, if all those clubs are happy to move those players now, then it, it really, you know, that's that's got to be a positive for the game as a whole. I think... You know, just to see that rotation happen because, I mean, you you know you know what it's like within clubs when you sign somewhere else. And, yeah, you can be on the outer in seconds, but I think yeah, so the only team I don't think... the best thing for those clubs, but also the best thing for those players as well. The only one I don't think it benefits right now, and there was rumours early on he didn't want to leave, to me, is Jake Clifford, because I think Clifford and Drinkwater and the Cowboys are starting to get some mojo going. So I just yeah. think from a combination point of view and out of those teams, they're actually in the hunt for the eight. Newcastle, if they got some players back and steered the ship right, could be back in the hunt and getting Clifford, but obviously be something they need right now because they're struggling in the halves but if I'm Todd Payton I, I don't know unless you've obviously signed Dearden for three years so you're clearly confident that you can get that transition going right now but they're just starting to build something between Clifford and Drinkwater and Robson and Holmes so I'd be a little bit hesitant if I was the Cowboys I'm, I, they're probably the one I'm looking at going well 
you can get did in early, but things are good now. Like, is that going to change the dynamic? I, I, I don't know. I'm still focused if I'm top Payton on playing finals football. Yeah. So that, that's yeah, the only one. I, I agree with that. I agree with that, yeah. If they think that Clifford's going to contribute... Mm. And I, I know they lose him, but you're five of the last seven, you're building some good combinations, things are starting to go well. I guess it depends on whether they can get... Dearden or Townsend, like you said. They oh. can get one of them, and they'll probably go, well, look, I'm happy to move him on. Mm. I think, if, but if Dearden comes in, are they confident they can get keep that flow going and build that combination so quickly? I, well, yeah, but you've made a decision that Dearden's your future. And yeah, and I think... Clifford's going to go elsewhere. I think it's probably the better move. I mean, again, what are the Cowboys realistically looking at? They're not They're not going to win the comp this year. No, and Clifford was gone uh, before they know, got you, Peyton... What do you what do you value more, like a falling into seventh or eighth, or you know pumping ten to thirteen games into yeah you know, a guy who you you see and you've signed as a long term half? So you'd hope that you can plug him in and still achieve you know goal A. But when you're really looking at which one would you rather, I think you'd probably rather the development and having him in and training and you know knowing the things that you want to do. And giving him that extra time just to, to coach him and to improve him. Yeah, well, that Harv's merry-go-round will possibly happen. There's those other moves we just talked about for Cronulla, like I said. I don't see why you're not working with those other options. And the other two guys, I guess, at the moment, who are still being spoken about are obviously Anthony Milford, who gets his third crack at being in the Broncos team this weekend after Gamble got suspended. Reportedly, he was asking for 600000 I don't know who's kidding more himself or his management after the way he's played the last couple of years. Um, he, Titans were apparently one of the only clubs that sort of showed an interest. They were thinking more around the $400,000 mark, but they've gone cold on that situation. And then, obviously, Ash Taylor's future, which has been spoken about plenty. Can't get himself on the field. If you're the Gold Coast Titans, similar deal. Off the back of a million-dollar deal, they're obviously probably going to lock up Fogarty. Tanner Boyd's been solid and was a former Australian schoolboy. Toby Sexton, they signed, is in a similar sort of mould. I still think they definitely need to get another half on board, but for the Ash Taylor side of things, to be mid-20s off multiple surgeries, never on the field, it would have to be a severely reduced contract and no one else available for me to consider re-signing him from the Gold Coast. Would agree. And I don't know, what would you feel comfortable? Like he's on a million dollars right now. We know Harbs get paid more of a premium, but honestly, anything at this point in time, probably more than 300, I'd just say, nah. Yeah, I think three hundred would be being generous. I was thinking yeah. more two two fifty. And for, for a year, we're talking obviously, but yeah, that's like Milford to think that Milford thinks after the way he's played for the. I'd be happy to give him if I'm a Gold Coast. I'd be happy to give him two at two hundred or two at two fifty. Mm. Like more than happy. Yeah, uh, because they've got Sexton and they've got um, Tanner Boyd and a few other guys there. They've got options. Mm. Well, I, I just find it astounding that the Titans went in for Adam Reynolds. Yeah, well... Or that balked at the price. Like, were you paying Ash Taylor a million? So it's, it's either that or the situation... Probably paying Adam Reynolds a million. They've just, they've just upgraded Brimson for five years. He'd be on a good wedge. Tino and Fefita, we both know, got big paydays. And yeah. They've got some other guys. Um, they still need a nine. So I, I guess it's a bit of a balancing act when you've spent money elsewhere. But, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, to, to, I just... To, for Milford in the way he's been to think you can get 600 like 600 is still a good wedge 
on the market. Like a million top shelf, he hasn't played even near that. But 600 is a big ask for somebody who can't even hold a spot in first grade. No, he should be on Ash Taylor coin. So oh, I don't know where that ends up or if anyone takes a bite. There was talk that Cronulla were considering it after they lost out in the Reynolds situation. Again, a bit confusing for me. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys out there on that half side of things. But just another spanner in the works with the Rays situation. So we'll see how that all pans out in the next few weeks. Tackle five, the one we mentioned earlier, which is origin for me, and I'm, I'm genuinely worried heading this series. It's the showpiece of rugby league. It brings in all the dollars. It's the one that everyone looks forward to. It's got that hatred. It's got that physicality. It's got that clash. And with the way we're officiating things right now, with the injuries we've got and the possible suspensions, we've got Radley. You've got Crichton potentially out. There's already injuries with guys like Pappenhausen, who might have been on the bench. Lomax, who was being considered. Cameron Murray who may not be back. Kiri was obviously gone early in the year for Queensland. You've got Papali suspended. Harry Grant and Munster are under a cloud for game one. Ponga still not playing football. Lindsay Collins did his ACL. Like, you know, there's just, there's a lot of guys already injured. There's a lot of guys suspended and we've still got two rounds beforehand, which is a real concern um, that there's going to be more guys missing. Honestly, people are now throwing up the back row options and some of the names I heard the other day I was blown away by, but with injuries and suspensions... There's literally guys in the frame now that have to be considered because of what the game's done to itself. Yeah, it's going to be second-string origin sides because we cannibalise ourselves. I think it probably just goes back to what I said earlier when we were talking about the 29 guys that were charged. It's, it's going to impact not only the NRL competition, like it always does, origin, but it's, it's going to be even more impacted and it's actually going to impact the showpiece product, our origin series. So, yeah. Again, no, I hope maybe when their TV ratings are down, and they might have a look at you know some of these mechanisms that they've got that are taking away from the product on the field. The other thing that kind of gave me the shits too to come out this week with the statistics, and st- we said this before: statistics can be whatever you want them to be, or you can use them to favour your argument, but say, well, there should be less fatigue because they're running. 20 or 30 less metres, or there's a little more sprint effort, etc. this, that, and the other. Don't fucking bullshit to the players. Ask the players. Every player is saying the game's faster, harder. There's probably more more repeat efforts, more high-speed effort. Like that, that's the reason why they're saying the game's harder. Whether you've run more, or there's more stop-start, or this, that, and the other, or wrestle, if majority of the players, which we're hearing from all the players, that the game is quicker and harder than it's ever been, and it's harder to defend back-to-back sets and the flow of the game, like... Don't bring out your stats and say, well, there's 30 metres difference here and this little difference here. So all that's bull crap. Fatigue's not contributing. The rules aren't contributing. Like, they're the ones playing the game. They're the ones you should be taking feedback from. Not in, not in all situations, but in this situation, don't tell the guys who are actually playing the product when you're a person in a suit and tie who's barely ever played a game of first grade or for the majority of people on the commission or boards, there's a handful that have, have no idea about rugby league, let alone at that level and have never even graced a rugby league field, let alone to tell rep players and NRL players whether the game has got harder or not. Correct. That's Good just agreement. stupidity. Yeah. Um, but to finish off on a more positive note, uh, said it last week about some things that I loved. Tackle six, I absolutely loved Helen Lukey for the Cowboys crashing over in his debut game and the excitement. <laughs> he fell over, he could barely kick the ball, and then he just started crying. I just thought that was awesome. I really did. Uh, said it last week about the Brad Arthur moment with his son being really cool but I think there's nothing better than when someone gets a debut for one thing but just a bit of genuine emotion he's based up in Cairns he's one of their juniors he's come through their academy he had a really good 
strong debut game and then to cap it off like that and to see that emotion, I just thought that was awesome. It was good. At, um, I think they hired out like a, one of the private boxes and gave it to his family. It looked like they were having a good night. Yeah. So, and happy days. Yeah, it was good. Good to see. On top of that, speaking of player emotion, I love what I saw from Jack Bird too because everyone criticised the players on the other side when they don't show any emotion. But then there was a bunch of scumbags out there who attacked him on social media for showing emotion that they lost and that he was devastated. Like, fuck, you can't have it both ways, can you? <laughs> I loved it. It's it's, it's amazing it. the hypocrisy the of some people to say, oh, they yeah, don't care or was, they're chatting or they're high five, and then you see a bloke literally in pain because he wanted so badly to win and they had a borderline reserve grade side and they've done everything, and he knows that he probably made an error or, you know, he had a very, very strong game that made a couple of errors during it that maybe led to some of the downfall opportunity, but then to attack a bloke on the flip side of that, like, honestly, give yourself a triple or bang your head on the table and have a fucking look in the mirror. It's... It's very easy when you've got a keyboard or, again, you've never played a game of rugby league and all respect to fans and people that love the game. But if you are one of these people that sits on your couch and has a drink or eats some chips or has never played the game and you attack first graders, um, just or I've seen the other ones for Pappenhausen when he got knocked out and people were like, ah, oh, get up or he's not dead. Except like, honestly, you need to have a fucking good old look in the mirror, especially when you've got names to your accounts to some of the things that you're saying. Yeah. You should be absolutely ashamed. But um, it was great to see Jack Bird with that sort of emotion. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Those two moments, uh, a bit like last week again, just real moments, good things to see in the game. So there you go. That wraps up the set of six again for this week. Now on to our power rankings brought to you by, you know who, the Penrith Solar Centre. And if you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season, it's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you more on edge than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialists who help local families take back control of their bill. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact them today on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how you can be the real winner this season or head to www.penrithsolar.com.au for Jake and the crew. Power rankings box head, I think one and two, pretty self-explanatory. Penrith and the Storm. Correct. Nothing's changed. They're the two standouts. Number three, four, and five will be interesting this week, given some results. Who have you got at three? Manly. Yep, I agree with you. I've put Manly up there as well. Good performance on the weekend. Um, I, I was one of the ones who bought into the argument around some of the teams that they've beaten up on. Obviously, aren't the best football teams, but they've been closer to Penrith than what most teams have. And then Parramatta, who had only had one loss prior, uh, they got over the top of on the weekend. And... Given what happened to number four, who I think you might have similar, South Sydney? Uh, no. I've got Paris. You've kept Paris? Oh, yeah, sorry, I have Paris four as well. Uh, Para, two losses to two teams. I guess the Dragons won. They were in good form at the time. Got over the top and beat them up through the middle, and they panicked. On the weekend, I just thought they got outdone in their forward pack and probably highlighted a point we made a few weeks ago about one at Blake and it's not singling out his abilities a hell of a player on his day and he's uber talent a bit defensively what happens to that edge when he is there the indecision and the disconnect and that is where all the tries got scored whether Murata Niakora and Opacek are not the most world class strike centres as I said and we talked about they tighten up both their edges defensively so when they were tight on both the edges you're not worried so much if you're probably not as a potent attack if you're stopping two or three tries from going in you're happy to give up not have a 
strike weapon, I guess, out in the centres when you generate so much through your ruck and you find points through your halves. But I just thought there was a huge difference between him being back on that right edge defensively and the connection between those players as compared to what we saw with Murata and Iacore there. Yeah, I'm going to give it a couple of couple of weeks to play. I just thought they were outplayed, mm. out enthused in all areas. Uh, Manly, yeah, Manly played a good brand of footy. It was well under Manly. Parramatta yeah. had just been blown away twice by the Dragons and by Manly. Two yeah. really good performances from two good teams. So and both at Bank uh, West too. You're not going to win every game, Parramatta. So no, but both at Bank West, I think would be more disappointing for a lot of fans who. Yeah. Go there I thinking. Understand the teams want to go there and play. Mm, I get that too. It can you can say it's a home ground advantage, but it can sometimes be a disadvantage as well. Look, it's such a nice stadium and big crowds, and you know Sunday Sunday afternoon footy. Like it's you're, um, it's a good place to go and play. Yeah. Well, number five, South Sydney. Uh, yes, yes. They got slapped, but dreadful they've copped 250 point bashings they need to wake up real fast because i get that it's not the back end of the season and they're heading to origin this that and the other but you should not be conceding 50 twice in a short space of time to two contenders if you are a genuine premiership contender defensively just horrendous they were, yeah oh, poor. so not much else to Probably say there better. Number six, the Roosters. I know they lost on the weekend. I know they've got players out. Um, it was coming, I guess. They overperformed for a long period of time. They're losing players and filling in those gaps. We've had guys like Sam Walker play above and beyond and everyone contribute and doing their job. And um, I think the weekend was just the perfect storm. Brisbane turned up, completed high. We're disciplined, we're physical. They got a bit rattled. They got a few guys put in the bin. The game was stop-start and they got under the Roosters' skin. They, just, they were all over it. But given what they've shown yeah, compared to a lot of other teams, I, I still can't move them out of number six. Yeah, I've got the Roosters. Yep. Who's your number seven? No idea. What? Dragons, I suppose. I don't know. Warriors. I don't know. The Dragons. With the players that they've lost for the next couple of weeks... Uh, and I know they, had a, they were very, very good the other night considering who they were missing. I moved the Warriors up to seven. Um, tough win on the weekend. Still got some holes defensively, but the attack we've seen now with Walsh yeah, coming to the team. Warriors and Cowboys. Yeah, and I've done the same thing. And uh, I know the Dragons, again, ahead on the ladder, but just given the troops they're missing and heading to this period of the year, uh, I, I think it might be a tough couple of weeks. They've got the Tigers this week who they lost to the other week when they had some players in, and I know they'll be still missing some players this week, and it's, it's, it's a game they have to win. But just for now, it's, it's a real struggle with the troops they've lost. And they had three head knocks on the weekend, three guys that didn't finish the game. So a few guys that have to go through concussion protocol this weekend, which is not ideal if you're a Dragons fan. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. No, it's not. No. 
that's not my friend. So yeah, I've, I've got them, but who knows those bottom couple of spots. Yeah, I, I think it's only between those three. You can't have anyone under that. You couldn't have Newcastle. You couldn't have Canberra. Etc. You've got the Titans there, but defensively they're still awful and they've been slapped around a few times, so I can't consider them for one of those spots just yet. But between the Warriors, the Cowboys and the Dragons, between 7, 8 and 9, I think the Dragons, the only reason, like I said, I've moved them out even with a better record is just they're missing so many troops at the moment. Yeah, I, I like the Dragons. I think they're, they're getting plenty out of um, the playing group they've got there. 100%. It's been a good turnaround. But that wraps up the power rankings brought to you by... The Penrith Solar Center. Get on to Jake and the crew there. Reviews of the games from the weekend. Let's jump into those. Cowboys Newcastle. Again, one of these ones where these new rules definitely played a part. It was 16-0. It was all Cowboys. They were just rolling through the middle, all over the top of them. We saw what we talked about in that spine. Growing some confidence. Tamalolo laying a platform, which brings McLean and all these other guys onto the ball. Robson getting out of dummy half. Drink water. Holmes is getting his hands on the footy. 16 zip and then bang bang Tamalolo Burr put into the bin 16 all by half time brings him right back into the game and true reflection again as we spoke about when things are 13 on 13 in the second half Cowboys hop back on top score three unanswered tries and end up winning 36 to 20 but uh, you take the sin bins out of the equation and the Tamalolo one was fair uh, Burr unlucky for a second week in a row where he's got himself wrong footed but you take that situation out, this game could have been 50-0. Yeah, 100%. So, Newcastle ultimately disappointing again. And I know they're missing a hell of a lot of players and still got to wait for Pierce Ponger and some others there. But, like, someone needs to step up. They've had Crossland around for a couple of years now. You've also had Green retire this week, who are struggling physically. They're not really keen to use Watson in one of those roles. You've had Tex Hoy injured in and out. Some shuffling in the back line. Some of the forwards have been okay, but are starting to flatten out a little bit. Like Something's got to give at some point for Newcastle. And then I found it more interesting after the game that Adam O'Brien, who's been very blunt in his assessments week in, week out, all of a sudden completely turned the other way in his comments and said, well, we need to be patient and calm down. Yeah. Strange. It's a big, big change in attitude in a short space of time. Yeah, maybe he uh, came to his senses a little bit and understood that last week's spray was a little bit too heavy. Mm. I, like, I thought their performance was okay. They're, they're, sh- they're just short on players. That once they get Pierce back and get Ponga back and they get a month of footy under their belt, if they're not then playing well and they're playing with similar enthusiasm, I think he's got some, some big concerns, but... You know, well, they've got Bradman Best out as well, isn't he? Or is he playing this game? Yeah, he pulled out. That's another concern, just injuries. They just can't seem to go a week without missing somebody. I think someone pull out. And Best himself, Best signed a big extension. Best missed a lot of time last year. He missed time before that. This year he's been in and out twice. So uh, it's a concern when you pay good money for players and you can't get them on the field. 100%. Ponga, extended period of time. Pierce, obviously, we know. Peck injury, he's generally been pretty good through injuries throughout his career, but um, yeah, I, I guess the disappointing thing if you're a Newcastle fan is you at least want effort and a bit of attitude like you saw in that Penrith game, but it's been very up and down, and to go from the shellacking they got from the Tigers into another disappointing result, they're really struggling, because I'm sure like most people, they had expectations coming into this season. Yeah, 100%. On the Cowboys side of things, uh, five of their last seven, I'm pretty sure, good signs. 
you've seen the spine come together, like I said, Clifford and Drinkwater are combined well. Drinkwater, his form, his short kicking game, his running, his passing, everything's sort of on song. He, he still probably needs to find his way into games more consistently, but everything comes off the back of go forward. When Tamalolo's there, it makes the whole forward pack better, brings those two halves in. I think that the hooker duo of Robson and even Clifford, uh, sorry, Greenfield's started to find a bit of form this year after a couple of quiet years. And on the flip side of that, they've got some good young guys into the system. And I think Peyton's done a pretty good job of getting these guys in. So Tommy Gilbert's playing. We've seen Conrad have a couple of good weeks. Lukey obviously played on the weekend. Hamiso, who's obviously... Gilbert was really good. He is good. He tries very, very hard. Talungi, we're starting to see good of, who's come through their system. Conrad Lamilu, who they got out there, still a young guy. And, and there's more to come, so... I like the fact that he's not just hanging on to some of these older guys or your own eels and this, that, and the other and rolling them through and not getting the kids in. He's rolling the academy guys in. He's putting his spine together and it's starting to come good. Those few veterans are starting to pick up on the back of some of uh, his comments and actions at the start of the year. And Recruitment-wise, we know that they've got Chad coming in to probably mentor Dearden and Dearden work with Clifford as well and kind of build their half set up for the future. During the week, I think they've just confirmed that they've got Peter Heku coming over, who we obviously had at the Warriors with him. So he's obviously made a move there, which I'm sure we'll probably see the likes of a Justin O'Neill or someone else move on from the club. But uh, always good when you start to see kids come through your system. Absolutely. Positive result for the Cowboys. Moving on, Warriors-Tigers, 30-26. Uh, it was a flat start by the Warriors. Got caught out early and obviously Walsh, out the back and defensively a couple of times there and, and pass selection, but no fear. And uh, Once he caught fire, the, the Tigers just shot themselves in the foot, gave a couple of errors, gave some good field position away. But, man, like, you see some good kids and you see some natural talent. We had these guys that were brought through, as we've talked about, that overcoached era, but he's certainly not one of them. The, the identification to ball play and numbers and pick the pass, like the first one that was just a laser straight across the face, and he was deep in the line. Second time, reads that outside defense, gets the lob pass over the top, and then the third time, defender comes up, bites in, and tries to jam, and he just cuts back through his inside shoulder and scores the try. He, he was phenomenal. Yeah, awesome. Uh, but I thought it was the unlosable game for the Tigers. Like, far out, they had some chances, man. Um, and by, like, through a forward pass late. But... Yeah, well, two guys in the that sin bin. A, that would have been a really frustrating loss well they get considering all that stuff like guys in Sydney they couldn't score and Rory hung on thumbs up where the Tigers are up yeah and again I think they've only won back to back games once in the last 18 months yeah well there you go so consistency again get a good lead made a bunch of errors gave away a good ball Warriors get a sniff carve them apart two sin bins they get two penalty goals that's it they don't score Warriors worked their way to that period late in the game, obviously get an opportunity, and even the last play of the game, when they throw the ball around, they, they had two or three chances at the back end there where they just couldn't execute. They dropped the football again. So uh, Warriors get out of jail in a hard situation and a win they'll be really happy with. And the Tigers, as you said, would be severely disappointed. Blow a lead, shoot yourself in the foot, two guys in the sim bin can't capitalise, and then multiple opportunities at the back end of the game to win it and can't get the job done. So... Uh, yeah, Walsh, exceptional. Still really, really like Tavita Harris, especially defensively and what they're building there. Uh, the Sheck involvement on the wing, I didn't like the fact that he was part there for the first 20, but 
once he was kind of coming in field, floating, mixing in with Walsh, those two together, ridiculously dangerous. Harris is awesome as always, just so much work. And probably one that surprised me again, not watching a lot of Super League and just being gone for a long period of time. Murdoch Masilla has made a real good impact for the Warriors. He's going well. So, yeah. He's going far better than, than I thought he was He was going to go. I thought he was you know, struggling to keep up with the pace in England. But mm. And I would have thought similar fitness-wise and been away from here for a while, but he, he's been a real good contributor. So that's a positive on the Warriors side of things. Sharks-Dragons, 13-12, an ugly game. I really struggle to watch it. I think the one thing that sort of keeps you engaged in these derby games is that, you know, there was still a bit of feeling and it was quite ugly, but the biggest point of difference, I guess, in this game is, to me, Will Kennedy. Will Kennedy getting that ball out of the in goal and rucking it back in field, and then they go to the end of the field and score the try. Huge play. Dragons basically playing a reserve-grade side with the amount of injuries and suspensions they have. Did extremely well, I thought, to keep themselves in that game. A couple opportunities at field goal, obviously don't come up with it. Had that crack where they ran the short side, thought they might catch him out, but the Sharks obviously didn't buy into it. Um, And then Chad Townsend obviously gets to ice it at the back end of the game. But, um, yeah, all all things considered, I saw a lot of Dragons fans are still angry and disappointed and saying, oh, it's the same press conference as what we got out of Mary. But, man, I, I think with what you've got on the field, the amount of guys you're missing and what they've dished up so far this year, and the fact they're trying to turn the roster over and they've blooded a couple of kids, I'd be pretty happy if I was a Dragons fan. Yeah, I think they've got every reason to be happy. I'm, I've been really impressed with what they're doing with what they've got. Yeah, we've now seen both the Fagaya twins. Good spirit too. Like the whole the Jack Bird thing should be the best thing that the Dragons fans have seen. You know, probably in the last two years. Mm. Like they're playing with a real passion. Like they're losing is hurting them. Mm. Uh, I, I, I looked at that and thought, like, man, he's he's got them really, really wanting to win, um, which I, I think is a good sign. Mm. And again, I always love the fact that when you've got good kids there, don't be afraid to use them. And they're in a situation now, obviously, with suspensions and injury. We've seen both of the for guys. He got to throw Ramsey in the fullback in the first half. He looked pretty good until he got KO'd by Harotti. Uh, Junior Amone was playing SG Ball Grand Final a couple of weeks ago. He's now played two games of first grade. The more of that we see with turning this roster over, getting back into the market uh, when they need to, there'll be a couple of guys in the next 12 months or so. Norman's one of those that they may potentially move on from because they've got an Amone and they've got Jaden Sullivan and they won the Steelers uh, in the SG Ball again this year, so they're going to have another group of kids to work on the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, yeah, they lost the grand final in ball. Lots of good yeah. signs uh, Stuck in that sense of things. I think there's some real positives, but for what they missed and, and for Cronulla... After showing a bit of fight last week, I thought this is a game they definitely would have penciled in thinking we need to win this. They did their best to try and lose this game, honestly. It was unbelievable. They, they should have lost it. And I think that's why Jack Bird was so disappointed. Um, they just tried to, try to throw it away, didn't they? It was mm. crazy to watch it. Well, again, the difference, Will Kennedy, and I know they're trying to work on a deal right now, but they want to sort that out quick, smart. Yeah, yeah, well. They want to get that sorted because he, like you, like you said before, like he was the difference in the game, and he his development is just going through the roof and at a really fast pace. Um, and to do that in a poor side that's struggling right now, yeah, correct. Uh, I'll throw it out there again. They've been linked to everyone on the planet right now, but if uh, the Brisbane Broncos are looking for a fullback, I know they've talked about Nico Hines and the few games he's had, but I don't think there's enough being said about somebody like Will Kennedy. No, I agree. 
If you uh, don't get that under wraps, that's something to look at. If the Gold Coast Titans, in my opinion, again, decided that Brimson was going to be a six with Fogarty and they went away from Taylor, Kennedy's a guy I'd look at again. Um, you know, I know there's not a lot of other clubs that are probably looking at that sort of a position, but I think he's someone, even with the way he's played in development this year, that is still well underrated and not talked about enough considering what he's doing in that side. And they've already got Tracy locked up, which thank God they do, because, again, from a position that he's not familiar to on the wing, a guy who come through as an Australian schoolboy six who plays in the halves or could play fullback, he was also another one who week in, week out this year has just been outstanding for the Sharks. Yeah. Yeah, they've got, they got some great shoots there. Mm. Uh, Dragons, like we said, Hunt had some moments, got Vaughan off the bench, and Bird, he made some errors again, but effort was good, and... Blake Laurie, probably the underrated one of that forward pack. Not the biggest, not the fastest, but gives 100%, that's for sure. Yeah, well, he's... Yeah, going well. Yeah. Titans, Dogs, 30-20. What a stinker. I think this probably sums up what we've said 100 times for them. They can attack, but defensively, again, just so much to work on. It's all the little things. Just whether it be back-to-back sets, whether it be... Ruck speed, line speed, edge communication, just contact in general. Like when we were there, the Manly game, how poor they were in all areas. Their communication, their, their their second efforts, and tying in on the inside, kick pressure, and goal line defense. Like there's just they can score points at will. They've got some really good moments where you look at them and go, man, they look like a good football team. But defensively, he said it the other week, and I think it still stands. It was like looking like an under twenties team, and it still feels that way. And that's the yeah, difference between nice. them playing. Yeah, that's the difference yeah. between them becoming a top eight side or sitting on the fringe again. Yeah, their, their defence is probably four. Well, then that's probably been quiet, let's mm. be honest. And uh, it's summed up by a guy like Brian Kelly in attack. He's not, here to, not here to pull punches like it's team I support, but yeah, like their, their defence is embarrassing. Mm. And a, a guy like Brian Kelly, who's yeah. one of the best attacking centres in the competition, so destructive. Powerful runner, good offloads, good footwork, but you know he made nine tackles. He missed four, Shit. and their halves get exposed a lot. Their middles at times, like their first up contact and very hand, like this. Just like we said, you you could sit there and go through video and pick out so many different areas and attributes, and it's more disappointing because I thought at the back end of last year, and we talked about the last few games where they won, I thought most of it come from their defense rather than their attack. They were just. Relentless. They scrambled their effort to cover for one another. Their own goal line efforts in particular were just excellent. But this year, they've been flat track bullies to teams around them or under them. Anytime they've sort of played someone that is on par or above them, uh, it's just been disappointing. So they need to bridge that gap and bridge it fast. And it's going to come from their defense, not their attack. 100%. Well, I think last year, they were... They were... Scrambling well, their defensive resilience was good. This year, they're just their resilience isn't up to where it was, but their technique is just poor, and their systems are poor. Um, or they're not staying in their systems and they're not um, connecting as a defensive line. Like there's, they don't seem to really hit. Um, they don't seem to really connect with the person inside and outside of them defensively. They allow a lot of offloads. They give up a lot of inside shoulders. So yeah, they're a frustrating side to support and, and watch at the moment, defensively. Mm. On the Bulldog side of things, speaking of frustrated, their fans again would be disappointed. Uh, found a way back into that game and late. It was 24-20, especially 
after the disappointing sin bin of Napa, one went the other way with both more and they found a couple of tries and got themselves back yeah, in I was, the game. I was nervous. Mm. But late, obviously. Got that try to seal things and um, similar deal for them each week. It's just kind of almost a write-off, unfortunately. They've rolled through different combinations of halves, outside backs. We saw Aaron Shook debut on the weekend, a young guy who they bought, I think, the year prior. He was from the Steelers' grand final winning yeah, side. he's of, a Wollongong boy, but he's been with us at Mounties um, this year, or, you know, obviously in the Bulldog squad. But, yeah, he's been playing a lot of New South Wales Cup. And, look, I think if he was in their top 30, he would have um, debuted earlier. He's been, been going really, really well. Yep, and I think uh, besides him, it, it was your same old. Dallin tries very hard every single week. I can't question his effort. And Luke Thompson, if they got some troops around Luke Thompson, he seems to have really found his confidence. He's been absolutely outstanding. His leg speed, he's getting over the ruck, that perfect ad line kind of hit up, and he's got that leg I speed. Last year, like he, he was one. I thought that was a really good signing, and they just need a few to go around him with the same sort of leg speed, like you're saying. And timing of his carry and width and getting mm. over that ad line. Well, he gets that perfectly. He got in behind the drain almost three or four times, and I thought if they could just put one or two with what he does, they could really generate some ruck speed because right now he's he's a solo band. He really is. Yeah, agree, mate. Uh, the damage he's creating on his own is insane, but to think that if that was in a Melbourne or a Penrith or anything else right now with the way things are going, he would be an unstoppable force. Yep. <laughs> so... Uh, unfortunate result again for Bulldogs fans but I guess uh, just again you're looking towards next year you know some of what's coming in but we need to see some activity on the forward side of things we keep talking about it Burton Fox they've bought Kotrick this year Allen etc etc but none of that matters when you've got nothing in the engine room and I'm still sitting there going we've heard absolutely nothing about forward pack or number nine which it needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed soon Absolutely. Um, they got some big holes in their engine room. They need someone to go with. Well, they need Jackson Mark. They need a nine. Um, and they need someone to go with a big pull. No doubt about that. Broncos, Roosters, 34 16. Uh, full credit to the Broncos. I, I know on the Roosters side of things, there was a couple of controversial forward passes and other things that I, even I looked at and thought, well, you know, that's horrendous by the referee. And I didn't agree with all the Radley stuff, but at the same time, Brisbane turned up, they frustrated them, they got stuck in the Radland, Rhea Hargraves, and got them off to Canberra, which is perfect, because they're guys you can get under their skin. They completed at 93%. They got offloads in the second phase. They forced dropouts. They they honestly couldn't have played any better. They, they were really, really good. Um, those passes aren't their decisions. the referee's job to call them, which he didn't. And in the end... At the back end of the first half, I was a bit concerned because they had one of those periods again that we see where when they concede one try, they concede in bunches. They got three quick ones there to go in halftime at 16-14. But second half, they went on with the performance. They tortured Sammy Walker. They ran Pungo at him in particular and really beat him up because of the platform and them you know, chasing points off the back foot. He tried to force a couple of passes and got picked off there by Meade at stages and didn't have his best game. Uh, just... The, the base that was laid by Haas, Lodge and Pungai Jr. really set the tone for that performance and then Kelly built confidence and we saw some of those bright sparks that you know, led, led to the raps that he had on him in my age group that he, he was the man coming through. But the 40-20, some of the short kicking game, it, it was a really good return to the NRL after six or seven years. 
Yeah, but it's easy to come back and play one good game. I think yeah. the thing that the Broncos are going to need out of him is that consistently. Uh, I thought they were fantastic, the Broncos. They really, like you said, they, they got the Roosters on tilt and they got them off their game. And they rattled a couple of their key men. Uh, I think the David Mead intercept was a huge play right on half time because the Roosters had all the momentum there. And, you know, if that pass sticks and goes the other, other way, you know, the Broncos are looking at a double digit deficit. Um, but it was a heads up play from David Mead. I've, I've always liked David Mead and was disappointed when the Titans let him go. He's too good a player to be in England. Uh, but for the Broncos as a whole, it was just a great win. They, it wasn't an ability win; it was a culture win. Like they, they played with a lot of passion. They, you know, up, like you said, they upset the Roosters. Uh, and when they had their chances, they nailed them. Mm, and they finally played to their strength. Everyone talks about this forward pack. It's the first time as a whole they went as a pack. Like I, I can't remember Lodge playing a better game. Lodge was immense, and Haas on the back of that getting help freed him up and he didn't have to burn the gas tank as much as he did and he was more effective Pungai that way got a roll on was better on the edge they got him isolated more often on Sam Walker and created those opportunities and like we said off the back of good foot go forward it opens things up for your halves and it took a lot of pressure off Kelly uh, you know me come up like you said that intercept and a couple of good plays there and finishing things off and everything was really built off the back of this forward pack that we've constantly talked about Exactly, yeah, exactly right. So, some good signs there for Brisbane, I guess. Let's see if we can see it two weeks in a row. A week ago, they got lapped by 50. This week, no one expected them to even come close to the Roosters, and the odds are ridiculous, and now they play a Melbourne side, not even close to full strength. The whole spine's missing, but, you know, off the back of what we saw last week, you'd be expecting them to go down there and actually challenge them if they played with that sort of potential, complete at 90 and do that job in the forward pack. Exactly. So... Lodge, Haas, Pungo, like I said, immense, Mead, Kelly. Um, but let's see if we can get it again. On the Rooster side of things, in a beaten team, Teddy, to me, again, uh, love him or hate him. There's been a lot of talk the last few weeks. You can't question the effort. 165 metres, three linebacker assists, three try assists. Yeah, he's had and everything good they did, but um, it doesn't help when you've got multiple sin bins, constant penalties, constant stop starts. They got frustrated. They tried to chase points off the back foot. They made errors. They pushed passes. It definitely wasn't their night. And then you've got, you know, Sawali and a lot of people were, again, carrying on after that going, oh, well, what did he do? Like, it's not an individual game. You can have individual talent, but you can't put it on a 17-year-old as to why the result went pear-shaped. They were horrendous. They they got dominated to the middle. They were ill-disciplined. They got torched, and the Radler situation in particular really didn't help. But a debut game for a 17-year-old, I thought he was solid. He had his carries, made 120 metres. He got up defensively positive, made some good contact. Uh, he fell off one or two tackles, but he did it with grass behind him and made sure that there was time for other defenders to cover up. So, overall, uh, it was a solid debut, and you'll see better in the future. Yeah. Yeah, um, it didn't turn out to be the ideal debut, did it? But it's not about his debut game. It's going to be about yeah. where he finishes. and The, the end product. I expect these guys to come in and, and do the type of things that Rich Walsh is, is doing. I think, you know, obviously, if he was coming into a team that had Kiri and you know the like and he was getting more ball and you know they had some of their middle forwards and and they were rolling uh, it'd be a different side to sort of come into so yeah uh, he, he's going to be he's going to be fine I think it was a good game to debut him in um, probably Robertson was probably expecting it to be a game that they'd win but it didn't turn out that way but 
I didn't think it negatively impacted his development at all. So, no. uh, full steam ahead. And again, they've done the right thing. They've had him around. He's doing the full-time training. They've had him 18th man for a few weeks. He probably would have played at the back end of the Parramatta game if that was handled correctly. Um, they've got injuries. They've got guys out, and they thought it was the right week to do it. But like we said, a few of those guys got off camber. The Sinbin situation didn't help. And, yeah, whether people aren't happy with a few of those forward passes, and they definitely were forward for the tries, at the end of the day, I still think the Broncos were much better, and it was more the Roosters' discipline, in particular the Radley situation. I didn't agree with all the binnings, but, again, it made a huge difference, and it really got them offside, that's for sure. Yeah, let's move on. Storm Raiders, uh, 34-10. I think this one was more amazing, just that they were 10-0 down, and everyone said the Raiders were missing players. Well, for Melbourne... Like Aaron Booth on the bench was playing his second game. Cooper Johns was only playing his second or third game, I think, at first grade. Hines has got 21 career games. Majority of those are playing five, ten minutes off the bench. I don't, I don't even think he started in half those games in first grade. Chris Lewis, similar deal, 13 first grade games. Majority has been lucky to get 15 minutes off the bench. Was starting 5-8 for Christ's sake. And Trent Laurier has only played his second game. So 10-0 down in Canberra I looked at it and thought Sam Williams, George Williams a lot of those forwards played last year they're still in a pretty good position this is going to be hard to come back from but as they got further into the half and their flow they just completed their sets, they kicked well got themselves into the cycle and then when their bench came on, Brandon Smith just started jumping out of dummy half Nelson isolated Tommy Starling Tui Kamika Mika made an impact and off the back of those two big boppers and cheese starting to jump out and play through the middle. They find themselves going into halftime ahead by two. And then the second half, again, that, that confidence just rolled on. They did the simple things well. They completed high. There was plenty of second phase from those big boppers and Welch, who's leading the NRL in offloads. Chris Lewis did a simple job at six where he basically just ran. Nico Hines jumped in with Cooper Johns. They ran all the shape and all the sort of shift plays and... Uh, they were outstanding considering that was a completely new spine and a lot of guys that have barely played first grade. Yeah, agree. Um, the, the machine just rolls on, doesn't it? Yeah, incredible. And I, I think, again, like you look at someone like Remus Smith, who we talked about, a good player in a system that probably didn't highlight where he was at. You make that decision in your career to go to a club like Melbourne and that try in the second half where he dummy to the outside, got the man to turn out, palms off the guy on the inside, then runs past the fullback. Like The confidence and you know being coached by Craig Bellamy, that whole environment just springboards what you thought was you know a potential diamond into suddenly being a class centre in the NRL. You had O-Lime in a similar situation emerge. You've got these kids again, like your Booths and Cooper and Nico, who was that man. He played 20s. Like, there was three or four, there was four or five years there for someone to pick up on Nico Hines. Exactly. But he wasn't appreciated or he wasn't seen to be worth that opportunity. Then he spends a couple of years in a development system through the Melbourne pathway and now all of a sudden they're talking about people paying $600,000, $500,000 to buy him from Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It's just absolute insanity. But, uh, they could have had him for $2. Well, Manly could have still had him on their book but let him go. And then, yeah, there was plenty of others when he went to Mackay and elsewhere before he ended up with them that could have picked him up so uh, interesting to see how that plays out they're saying they're going to do all they can to keep him he obviously wants to start and play I think they can get him in their 17 every week and give him that utility role but they definitely can't guarantee him a spot 
unless, and this is the ultimate unless, and I think this might be potentially why they're keen for him not to go elsewhere right now, Pappenhausen still hasn't signed with Melbourne. He's still got a year to run, but I think a lot of that hinges on what happens with Craig Bellamy. But I dare say, obviously, if someone blew everyone out of the water and Bellamy was leaving and Pappenhausen took a deal elsewhere, that if you're Melbourne, you'd want to keep Nico Hines. Yeah. Because you've obviously seen what he can do. Um, he's definitely a different player to Pappenhausen, but if he was to somehow leave and that situation didn't pan out, that's someone you definitely want to keep a hold of. Yeah, I think for Hines, like I'd, I'd want to stay in Melbourne. I think it's the first place he's really established himself and been successful. I wouldn't want to be jumping ship now, particularly to some of the places that's been mooted to want him. Because it's easy to go there on one contract and then slip away and, you know, then, I guess, not, not fall out of favour, but, you know, the gloss could come off you a little bit. I, I think... He should probably sign a one or two year extension at Melbourne, stay there while Bellamy's there and develop his game more. And, and when he is really going to move on, make sure that he's a thousand percent ready to do it. I think, you know, honestly, I think he is ready to go, but will he be as effective elsewhere? I don't know. But I couldn't begrudge him if Melbourne can only offer two years at, say, 250 or 300 and you've got Brisbane or the Dragons have been mentioned if Dufty moves on now and someone's willing to pay four or 500 for three years. Like, he's had to wait for his opportunity. He's found his opportunity there. He was on the bench for the grand final last year. I don't think he actually got a minute because of the way the game finished with the sin bins, but um, if it's that one opportunity he's looking for it and he's confident, I, I say back yourself, but yeah, I, I find it really hard to see him staying, unfortunately. I'd love to think that he would, but I, I just can't see it. But on the Canberra side of things, like we said, another lead blow, and I think there's been eight double-digit leads this year that have been taken back, and four of them are by other teams. Four total are by Canberra, so they equate for half the double-digit turnarounds in leading. Um, again, wasn't a whole lot of highlights playing-wise. Thought Sam Williams, when he came in, obviously gave some direction, kicked well. Problem was, even late in the game when he was kicking well, he was kicking like they were ahead by 20 points rather than behind by 20 points, but... You just saw the air go out of that team as the tries rolled in and things got further and further away and it's just a real semblance of where Canberra's at right now. Mm. There's not a lot of positives. Yeah, it just look like a, an aimless lost soul walking around, don't they, on the field? Mm. And what should have been a, a great night for the debutant off the bench, Brad Schneider has obviously come through and got a debut, uh, got to play hooker, but he's been playing halves in their cup system. Pretty rough night to come on when your team's down by 30 or so points just to play hooker for the last 10 or 15. So I felt a little bit sorry for him. Like, again, you've played first grade. That's awesome. That's something no one can ever take away from you. But uh, generally hoping that it's going to be a good night or a good result or a tight game. So um, not not the greatest game to debut in, that's for sure. No. But um, moving on from that one, Panthers-South, 56-12. All I can say is embarrassing. Uh, I don't yeah, know. I don't know what might. Mike... Should have been a good game. Mm. Their lack of performance, I guess you'd call it. I'm not sure how else to describe it. It was well I, uh, I... concerning. <clears throat> Probably how I'd describe it. But yeah, South. That's two two uh, beat ups by fifty, like you said, in you know a short space of time. It's not ideal. 
No, I think the bigger thing, again, the excuses were thrown everywhere the other week that, oh, Reynolds didn't play and this guy didn't play where you've had Melbourne play at Parramatta, the Panthers start the year off against South, missing players, missing key players, lose two games by two points, beat South the first time, shellack them by 50 the second time. We've had Penrith come into that game without Laota, Edwards, couple of guys that would start for them and still put 50 on them. And then you've got South who got the trail back, got Campbell Graham back, had basically everyone on board besides Cameron Murray. And I'm sorry, Cameron Murray's not worth 56 points. No, it's not. Like, you can point the fingers everywhere, this, where, and there's Wayne Bennett, this, that, and the other. Plain and simple, and he pretty much summed up in his post-match comments. They can score with anyone. They can have patches with anyone. They can be absolutely dynamite on that side of the ball. But if they do not want to defend, if they do not fix that side of things, which is purely an attitude, they won't win the comp. They will get towed up by one of these teams in a finals game again if that's what they want to do. If they do not find a soul and some attitude on the defensive side of the ball and want to embrace that side of the game when things get a bit dirty or things get a bit hard or get into a cycle rather than when they can get the ball and everything's flowing for them and they're attacking, they're on the front foot, they're not even going to be close to a contender for this comp. And obviously we've got to get through Origin. We'll get to the back end of the year and hopefully we'll see some better. But compared to last year where we thought they were clunky, they were still winning and they were at least a little bit scrappy and showing some life. This team has got a few more names in it and is supposed to be, you know, the big last swing before Wayne Bennett moves on and salary cap situations and players move out. And right now, they've just been towed up twice by 50-something points and they almost lost to Cronulla. So it's a little bit concerning. Um, but obviously, I guess we'll get through the origin period, see how they're going after a couple of weeks they're heading into the back end of the season before we get a real gauge of what's going to happen. But... Yeah, I wasn't impressed at all. And for Penrith, just shows what we've known. Even with those couple of guys kind of going out of starting fullback, starting front row, and we think they're a bit light on in the forward department, they just roll on. Nathan Cleary was absolutely next level in his dominance, their spine, the way they've connected. Matty Burton and the way he's just seamlessly slotted into that centre position. I think it's partly the fact that he's a good natural ball runner, it is, but the fact that he's a half and the intelligence of good halves to know what you want your outside men to do, whether that be a back row or a centre or where you want to put ball, football or how you want them to run a line. I find it really crazy the way that him and Luai have connected. Like at times when he drops under and Luai picks up on her or reads it or he's read that, you know, I need to get here to get the space or I need to run this line. Like I think part of that comes with the appreciation of knowing what you want from your outside men, but the fact that he's also a good ball runner himself and, I know he's going to the Bulldogs, but, man, I, I say it now and I'll say it again. I think his manager uh, – it's probably not his manager. I, I, I'll still frame it this way. He clearly likes Trent Barrett. He signed early. He's going to the Bulldogs. I'm sure it was worth at least half a million dollars. I know he's got an option after the second year to leave and not take up the third year if things are going pear shape. But I'm looking at things right now, and I said it before the season started, and the ball was in kick much like you. He has to be in the 17. You said the centers. You nailed that to get him into this team but I brought up a million times why the Bulldogs like unless he's just absolutely devoted to Trent Barrett loves Trent Barrett and that's the best option he's a half there's a shortage of halves there's so many clubs out there if it wasn't to stay at Penrith that is the last club no offence to the Bulldogs at the moment as a manager that I would have wanted to put Matt Burton I think the Parramatta situation where we know Moses isn't signed up yet I know Brisbane aren't going that great but with the money and where they're going right now Melbourne before Hughes was signed and on board. Like, I just think there's other alternatives or teams out there that are in better situations right now that if Matt Burton, the way he's playing right now, is available in the market, 
there would be an absolute just frenzy. Cronulla need like there's teams everywhere. Raiders situation right now. Could you imagine Matt Burton being available right now? Mm. It would be a feeding frenzy. Yeah, it would be. Um, I think it was a Trent Barrett deal, mate. I think he wanted to play under Barrett, and that's as deep as it goes. And and Barrett, to his credit, got him, got his man. Lucky on him getting him early, and again, whether it was more him or his manager, I don't know, but even if I'm him right now... Whether whether Burton would sign right now, looking at their results, I... I don't know, but well, the fact of the matter is he's, he's signed. It's, it's signed, I know that. But even with the Penrith situation, if, if he could look at how he's playing and feeling right now and how happy he looks in that side, I think he'd even give more consideration to that right now if he could see a little bit further down the track. But unfortunately, yeah. hindsight's a beautiful thing and that's not the situation. But, yeah, they were red hot again all across the park. There's going to be plenty of guys in origin that are going to be considered. Um, Cook... Cody Walker, Latrell, all guys that needed to put a stamp on things, in particular for me, Cook. And I know a lot of people think that because he's been good for a few years there, he'll be given a first crack in game one. To me, Origin, you don't have time to give someone a crack for a game, regardless of poor form. If you are going to go with Luai and Cleary, I'd pick Coruscant, plain and simple. If you want to go off club combinations, and then you've got Yo, who's the link man, you've got both your halves, your nine, and you've got that floating 13, I'd... I couldn't pick Cook. If you're going to go those two guys, I'm not picking him. Yeah, I find it hard to argue. If we're going on form, then it's Coruscant. Mm. And like I said, club combinations, form in all those key positions, both halves, nine, and obviously your 13 being that floating link man and the way Penrith play, that's exactly how it works. So straight away, you put in the crux or the spine of your team on the back of a Tedesco who can push around and float off the back of those guys. And then Tommy, whether he's picked as a wing or centre in that argument, you know they're going to have him involved or around the football in some situations as well. Uh, but the crux of your spine and that link between your team and the way the game's going and how good they're playing right now, I don't see why you wouldn't take advantage of the Penrith setup right now. Yeah, correct. But for South, uh, yeah, worrying signs. And big game again this weekend. Them and the Eels, both off bad losses, need to bounce back, and they play each other. And the last game, speaking of that, was Parramatta up against Manly, 28-6. to And... Um, Quite enjoyed this game. Thought of all the games on the weekend. Plenty of feeling. Probably the best amount of flow um, and the better of the contest. And Manly obviously come out off the back of the situation uh, and the news of Bob Fulton. Obviously a bit more inspired, but I, I tipped him before that early in the week. Really thought this was an opportunity to get a win against the team in the top four and kind of stake their claim. And they did exactly that. They stepped up in particular in their forward pack again. They were very, very good through the half, Schuster, come through the grades, playing as a six, moved into his natural position there and was absolutely quality. The fact that you have that physical threat while also having the silky skills, he's not afraid to dig into the line and he's someone you have to be accountable for. You can't slide off him. You can't not pay attention to him because if you do, he's basically a 110-kilo man mountain who will run straight over you. And It's not only just the fact that he's got the size and that factor there where you have to be accountable for him, the way he used his eyes, how square he played and how direct he was, the deception in his passing and the skill, uh, the link that he had there with Tommy and the way they played down that side and harassing one of Blake, who obviously has had some issues in the past and how disconnected they get on that edge. They, they pulled Paris pants down multiple times down that side of the field. Yeah. Yeah, no, they played some really nice direct shape there. And, yeah, you're right. They just found Paramount wanting. Uh, I think 
Parramatta's defence was sort of staircase back and um, the spacings between Blake, because like you said, he likes to get really tight and the winger Ferguson was just far too big. And, yeah, they were pretty easy to pull apart on that edge. So they're, they're going to have to have a look at that and address it because, you know, for the next few weeks, all the teams are going to try and be playing that similar shape and trying to get similar results against Eels. Mm. And I don't think there was a bad player for Manly. Honestly, their forward pack was great. Kepi getting the start in the back row was awesome. Uh, the props, as always. And Olaka Artu's really come along. Parker had one of his better games in a long time. We know Harper's been really good. Garrick had some I've huge got, moments. Uh, I've got Kepi's, I think it's his younger cousin, mm-hmm. in my side at the moment playing hooker. He's going unbelievable. Yeah. Well, look. Hard as nails, tackles everything, good service. Really, really good kid, leader. So he's one to circle. Um, West Magpies and West Tigers, if you're listening, um, he's one. He's at Picton High School. He should be playing Harold Matthews next year or the year after, and he should be signed for three or four years. This kid, he's he's a good one. Hmm. Well, this Kepi Sean obviously was part of that setup there, and they missed out on the end of it then. So <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's one of those that ones again. All across the board, they're outstanding. Um, Tom, like we said. Oval in the Ron Massey Cup, mate. Mm. And then then yeah. you've got Tom, who we've spoken about again at length in these weeks. And I was more impressed on the weekend with the tough carries he had out of yardage, more so than just the ball playing the line breaks and all the quality stuff he did. He was outstanding again, but his work out of yardage helping him. Uh, I think one of the big moments of the game that sort of disappointing because it's generally not something you do. I thought Jake Trebojevic almost shot them in the foot. They had the sin bin. They had a real big opportunity to take advantage and ice that game after a real tight tussle period there where they just couldn't find that extra try to really take the game away. And uh, I can't remember who it was who he pulled off the ball, but he just didn't need to. Yeah, it's dumb. Because when you saw the replay, there's five or six manly guys in the picture. There's yeah. jerseys coming from everywhere. And him doing that like literally 30 or 40 seconds after a simbin, I thought, like, you've just ruined that perfect opportunity there for you guys to really put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, Obviously, they, they did. And he's got it in his game. He's done it multiple times. Uh, I'll tell you what I did love as well. The spray that Tom gave, I think it was Paseca, because when they cut back on the inside there from Mike Acevo, three guys from the inside tied in. Paseca left a gap as wide as yeah. a Mack truck to drive through. They've ended up covering for it, but he absolutely blasted him. And I just thought, you know, that, that shows where he's at right now and just where their attitude is at as a team. They've just completely flicked the switch and he's next level. But again, they, they've they've clicked the switch in all aspects. Their forward pack's playing out of their skin. Schuster, whether he's playing there or in the back row, you see the absolute quality of him. He, in a short space of time, I'm not as convinced as others that are throwing him into the origin side. But like moving forward, you want to talk about utility value in a body. He, he's a guy moving forward in the future that will definitely play some rep football. He's just, he's a freak. To be that physically big, that skilled, he's a guy that can play centre, back row, halves. It's, yeah, they're, they're in a really good spot from where they've got to here. Um, it's a good win to finally sort of chalk one up because I was one of these people that saying as good as Tommy's playing and they're dominating, they're beating up a lot of poor sides like the Tigers. Warriors are an okay side, but they're not great. You're beating up on Brisbane. Like, let's see him do it against somebody else. In Penrith, I thought they were competitive, but Tom was a bit quiet, but Parramatta... One loss prior to this, eight wins. Um, I thought they dominated, in all honesty. Yeah, agree. So the scoreline reflected that. Backs you up. Great result, and uh, they got a pretty good draw coming up. I think now heading into the Origin period, but they'll probably lose a couple of players. So they get Newcastle who are struggling. 
I think Tigers, Dragons, Sharks, except like there's a, a run coming up even with Origin Effect where I think they've got a real good chance of picking up more wins. And in all honesty, they're not out of touch with the top four. They're, they're, they're two wins away per se at the moment, but I think teams above them are going to be more heavily hit by this period, in particular uh, third and fourth, which will be South potentially, um, or maybe not so much now. If Cody, Cook and Luttrell, etc., a few aren't considered, they might be left alone. But Melbourne's certainly going to be hit hard because they've already got guys injured, and if they're not injured, they're going to be going straight into origin camp. So depending on uh, backing up and the way that schedule works out, there might be an opportunity for Manly to still be a push for the, uh, the top four. Yeah. So see how that plays out. But that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Jumping to the tips, bets, and a bit of a preview brought to you by bluebet.com. There's no one better to bet with than a true blue Aussie bookie. Visit www.bluebet.com.au or download the app today and support the bookie that supports us, Bluebet, and our charity, Bears of Hope and uh, Charity Bet on the weekend. Jumped on board with Manly. I was in the car heading over to visit my mate, Jonesy, for his birthday. Happy birthday, Jonesy. And hang out with his twin sons. And uh, when I got into the car, I heard the news about Bob Fulton. And the first thing that clicked in my head is they're going to be so riled up today. Des Hasler, Jake's 150th, up against Parramatta, an old rival, and now an immortal of the game, a club legend. I just thought, this, there's no way this is going to be a loss. So uh, worked out well. And we banked another $102. We're up to $400 now. So good result. And tipping rules. Oh, yes. Tipping wise, uh, I've got the results somewhere here. You tipped six last weekend. I've tipped seven. Gossip tipped six. And Roasty tipped six as well. So the totals now. Uh, what are we up to? Oh, I'm looking at the wrong piece of paper here. What have I done? No, not here I go. I've got it here. So you are now on 63. I'm on 62. And Gossip and Roast are equal on 64. So close the gap after being a few behind. The only one I got wrong on the weekend was the Roosters, which everybody got wrong, no surprise. But Warriors was a one that was 50-50. Tipped them, got the Sharks, obviously, with that field goal. And uh, obviously tipped Manly. So that worked out quite well. But first game we've got for this weekend... In round 12 is the Broncos up against the Storm on Thursday night football. And for the Broncos, last week's 18th man, TC Rabadi, is named to make his debut off the bench while Reese Kennedy moves into the starting front row with Matt Lodge suspended as one of these guys that was up for the 29 charges. Anthony Milford gets his third chance to play in the halves now that Gamble has also been suspended with Albert Kelly shifting the halfback. Herbie Farmworth comes back in the lineup after withdrawing last week. Copley goes to the reserves. And there's a facelift with a potential debut to Selwyn Cobbo, a young guy they've had in their system, a uh, very, very fast fullback or outside back. Richie Kenner, Corey Pakes uh, included at the expense of Brendan Porikora and Denny Levi on the bench. And Katoni Staggs and Alex Glenn are still a few weeks away. On the Storm side of things, Jerome Hughes is back in the number seven after withdrawing last week. Cooper Johns moves back to the extended bench. But Kenny Bromwich still will be missing for another week. Chris Lewis has again been named in the number six jersey. And Craig Bellamy expects Ryan Pappenhausen to miss another three to four weeks after that head knock, which means that Nico Hines will get a decent crack at playing fullback until further notice. So uh, that's a big blow 
for Melbourne. And then again, just Harry Grant and Munster. There's been murmurs that they're not even going to be close to ready for Origin. So luckily they got Brandon Smith back last week because Tyson Smoothie obviously did his knee. He's at nine. Booth playing his third game off the bench and uh, Hughes hopefully being back. But yeah, still a couple of holes there for the Melbourne side of things. But uh, I guess for Brisbane, Gamble has been good for a few weeks, moves out. Milford gets a reprieve there. Kennedy getting a start and missing Lodge after being so, so good and Heatherington debuting as well last week. And now you've got uh, TC Rabadi. So, uh, yeah, bit of change on both sides. But who do you like in this one, Boxhead? Stormers. Going the Storm and uh, I'll be going the same. Uh, a lot of guys missing. And again, if they play anything like they did last week, in particular that forward pack, they'll definitely give Melbourne a bit of trouble. But I think Hughes back in. There's a good vote of confidence, and they always seem to play well at Suncorp. In particular, when Smith was playing, obviously it was a big thing for him, but Bennett, the club in general, and all of those guys enjoy playing up at Suncorp. So uh, storm for both of us there. Completely agree with you. Um, and the odds, for some reason, have disappeared on me, but now they're back. 750. For the Brisbane Broncos with blue bet, $1.09 for the Melbourne Storm. Minus 20 and a half is the line there. And the second game, the early Friday game, up at North Queensland is the Cowboys versus the Warriors. Cohen Hess is back, replacing Tamalolo, who's suspended at lock. Hamiso Tabuer Fido takes the place of Connolly Lamilu, who's out with a thumb injury. And Lachlan Burr and Francis Molo are both out. Opens up the place on the bench for Peter Holar and Corey Jensen with try-scoring debutant Helen Maluki retaining his spot also on the bench. And for the Warriors, Reese Walsh is named in the number one jersey. Roger Tuovasa-Shek stays on the wing. And Rocco Berry, he will miss another week, unfortunately, in the centres. Bunty Afoa in second row, Ben Murdoch, Missilla drop back to the bench, swapping places with Kane Evans and Jack Murchie. And Josh Curran and Tom Arley are at least another couple of weeks away after their injuries. What do you think in here, Boxhead? North Queensland at home. Tom yeah, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go the, Cow, uh, the Cowboys. They're at home. I like what they're building there. The Warriors, they're just a hard one to to catch, and I'll just back myself. Uh, and in a 50-50 game, I'll go, I'll go with the home side. I was with you 100% until I remembered about Tom Alolo being suspended. Uh, I think they've done a good job in the forward pack, but he's huge. So with that being said, I, I think they'll be stoic and they'll try hard. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go the Warriors in this one. I think they'll probably be the outsider, but the Tamalolo uh, kind of swings things for me there. And with Blue Bet, they are just on the outside. The Cowboys, $2.80. Oh, sorry, there you go. The Warriors are the favourite, $1.80 here with Blue Bet. And there's no line on that game, so probably a pick em. And yeah, I think that's obviously a big factor in that decision. But defensively, need to be better, that's for sure. Things were building nicely for the Cowboys, but I guess we'll see if they'll get the platform off that forward pack and they can do that without Tomalolo, who obviously, despite the sin bin last week, racked up 200 metres and was obviously very destructive. So uh, we're opposites on that game. Second Friday night game, Tigers-Dragons playing again, only after playing three or four weeks ago. For the Tigers, James Roberts is back after four weeks injured. He comes in onto the wing with Tommy Talao moving to the centres and Joey Leilua has been dropped out of the side. Last week's late inclusion, Jake Simkin drops out for the interchange and Tom Amone comes in to take his place. 
For the Dragons, Josh Kerr, he misses a week after taking an early guilty plea for a shoulder charge. He's replaced by Tarek Sims, who returns after being banned for a week. Paul Vaughan moves back into the starting side in a swap with Palasa Famasuli, who goes back to 18th man. And Daniel Alvaro moves into the team. Cody Ramsey, Jaden Hunt, the debutant from last week, who unfortunately got knocked out. And Max Fagai, who all failed HIAs. Uh, two of them are named with Fagai and Cody Ramsey. Uh, sorry, Fagai has been replaced by the returning Braden Williame on the bench. And the late call-up Talatau Mone drops back to the interchange with the recently signed veteran Gerard Beal getting his first chance to play in the centres. So a few question marks there if Cody Ramsey's out. Um, that's a, a you know that's a big question mark. Jaden Hunt, who debuted last week, again, not the greatest week for debutants. We had poor Brad Schneider come on in a bloodbath and they'll get pumped, and then Jaden Hunt got knocked out trying to put a shot on off the kickoff. So looking at their extended bench here, Cade Ellis, Adam Clune, Jaden Sullivan, and Billy Britton, I'd be assuming that if Cody Ramsey pulled out, they'd probably push Corey Norman back to one and bring Jaden Sullivan into the halves, which isn't the worst scenario. But, yeah, not ideal when you've got two or three guys under clouds for HIA. Uh, but, honestly, where do you go here, Boxhead? For the Dragons. You go on the Dragons? I'm going to Tigers, but who knows? <clears throat> yeah, it's a hard one, and that's at Bank West. So home game for the Tigers, but not at one of their other multiple stadiums they play out of. But um, the Jet back in and on the wing, he's played centres for the last couple of years. So I don't know, maybe trying to get his hands on the football a little bit more. He was shaky in those few games he played. Um, little back as a solo nine, bit of a different bench. McKaylee, Safar, Bloor, Amone, and, and for the Dragons, I guess, yeah, a couple of guys under those clouds. Beal. Was retired now. He's back playing. Uh, I think just with so many question marks, I'll go the Tigers with zero confidence. Um, but for the Dragons fans, I'm sure they'll give good account of themselves again and would not be surprised if they're not winning that one. But that's a hard one to pick. And with Blue Bet, the Tigers are a dollar fifty favourite, two fifty five for the outside of Dragons minus five and a half is the line in that one. The early Saturday game record odds: the Panthers up against the Bulldogs. Kurt Catewell accepted a one-week ban with an early plea, allowing Moses Lara to slot straight back in after his late withdrawal and makeshift prop Liam Martin goes to the back row. Dylan Edwards has failed to recover, so Stephen Crichton stays at fullback. Momorowski is back in the centres again for a second week with Matty Burton and for the Bulldogs. Jack Hetherington returns just in time to probably get suspended again up against his old club, the Panthers. And Josh Jackson is back locking the scrum with a big revamp of the forward pack Arvacia Manafonai drops back to the bench. Adam Elliott moves from third end to the second row. Chris Lewis is out suspended. Jackson Tapine returns from injury to replace Sianni Katoa, who's also suspended. And Dallin Zalesniak will play despite a foot injury. And rookie centre Aaron Shoup retains his place in the centres. This one, I think, is going to be very ugly. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to predict score lines, but... Oh, uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be a tough one. Dry track, three o'clock, home crowd. It'll be yep. a sellout. All those so. things and the way they're playing their football right now, heading into Origin, they've racked up wins against everyone else. I don't see it being any different. They want to get this streak going, and I think they know that the Origin period is going to be harsh this year. So this week, next week, I feel sorry for anyone that's playing the Panthers. Well, maybe not the week after. I think 
week 13 is the half round. I don't know if they've got the buy or they're playing and they're missing players, but if this is the last game before the origin affected rounds, potentially, I think Penrith will really want to make a statement and yeah, the bookies have made it clear. Blue bet there. It's a dollar one for the Panthers. The dogs are $21. I think on sports bet earlier and tab, I was looking at all of them because everyone had different odds. I think someone had as big as $26 for the Bulldogs head to head. Yeah. Well, the start on blue bet here is minus 35 and a half. So this is some World Cup style stuff when you play a country that doesn't play rugby league. So big uh, big prediction there, but yeah. Uh, hopefully the Bulldogs give a good account of themselves, but with the way things have been going, you'd think the Panthers with what they've been doing to other teams could, uh, as you said, do a fair bit of damage, in particular if it's daylight football in the sun. It's very conducive to the way they like to play their football, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. South. This game's just as hard for Penrith as it is for the Dogs, because they'll, they'll see those odds and they'll know that they're predicted to win quite easily, so they can be hard games to approach sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see on the weekend where their heads are at, but uh, always good there at Penny Park, especially this year. After last year, everyone missing out the Place has been rocking, so I doubt that'll be no different and plenty of beers flowing. I wonder if they've got all three grades. Could be a hell of a day out there. Yeah, it is all three grades. I'll be in the box for New South Wales Cubs and then I'll toddle down to the hill, I reckon. Well, there you go. I'm supposed to be away for the weekend for a birthday, but if that didn't end up happening, I think I know where I'm going to be. All three grades. Make a day of it. All three grades, my friend. Second one should be a cracker, and hopefully these two teams bring their A game because they didn't last week. The Rabbitohs up against the Eels at Stadium Australia. For the Bunnies, Cameron Murray and Jacob Host have both been named to make their returns. Liam Knight and Jaden Sewer go back to the bench after getting towed up last week. Or actually, they're not even the bench, they're in the reserve, so we'll have to wait and see if they're late inclusions. Mansour will miss this week after a head knock. His place is taken by Tane Milne. Jai Arrow has been promoted to start at prop. Tom Burgess goes back to the bench and Harme Sele joins the bench and Jed Cartwright is out. Prop Regan Campbell-Gillard took an early guilty plea. He'll miss this week. Oregon Kafusi moves into the starting side. Murata Niakore is back from suspension. 5'8", Dylan Brown has to wait another week for his ban and utility Will Smith is still at least a week away for Parramatta. Who do you like on this one? This is... Bit of a foot like I, I can't back South until I see any improvement in their attitude and their defence. So I'm happy to stick with Parramatta. I, I know they weren't great last week, but I'll go with the Eels. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to go the. I'm going to go South. They've been shellacked twice. <laughs> I have no idea why I'm even thinking this way, but I don't know. I've just got something in my head that's telling me to go south. But in particular, after last week, especially, getting absolutely embarrassed. Uh, I think on Manly side of things, they obviously were over the top of Parramatta, but I don't think it was anywhere near to the level of what South Sydney copped and obviously looking for a response. And uh, I don't know what it is. I, I think in particular, a couple of those guys, again, last chance to press an origin claim, few of them might have already had their, their book sealed, um, but they need to bounce back against one of these teams, again, that's going to be in the mix for the top four. They've been shellacked by Penner if they've been shellacked by the Storm. This is another one of these teams that's going to stand in their way. We need to see something. So, hard, um, but yeah, 
We'll see what happens in this one. But the odds, close, blue bet, have got South Sydney, $1.77 favourite. Parramatta, 205 outsiders, minus 2.5 is the line. So expecting a tight game there. And again, hard to pick. But another one that should be an absolute cracker, but with injuries and form, unfortunately, um, this would generally be an absolute blockbuster. But we've got the Roosters up against the Raiders at Central Coast. On the Roosters' side of things, plenty of changing uh, going on with the judiciary side of things. They're waiting to see what happened with Victor Radley and Angus Crichton. We obviously know that Victor Radley entered a couple of early guilty pleas, but he's copped the other ones as well and is going to be out for five weeks. For Angus Crichton, he's looking at two weeks, and I think I saw before that he failed to get that downgraded. So. Yeah, well. Um, if I go back and quickly refresh, I'm pretty sure the news... Crichton copped a two-match ban, so he's also going to be missing for Origin 1. Well, so there's another problem for New South Wales in a back row that is already struggling. Angus Crichton was named here in the back row, so looking at the options they've got here uh, on the bench, they've got Kieran Butcher, Saluka Fafita and Fletcher Baker. Unless Butcher comes in... In a straight swap for the back row, their extended bench has got Tuku Hautapua, Nafahu White, who both sort of play back row roles, Egan Butcher, who plays back row, and Joseph Sawali out in the 21. So potentially we'll see one of those young guys. I think it was White, Nafahu White, who got a debut the other week, or it might have been Tapua, but if not, could be one of those guys again, or Egan Butcher. Um, but on the flip side of that, for them, yeah. Big effect as far as those suspensions are concerned. With that happening, Liu moved from prop to lock. Tokiaho went back to starting prop. Saluka Fafita joined the bench. And Josh Morris, obviously out last week, comes straight back in to replace Joseph Sawali after he had back issues for the Raiders. Very timely. Jack Whiten is back on board at 5'8". Hooker Josh Hodgson is also back. And Jordan Rapana is back from his hamstring injury. Sam Williams is the new halfback, replacing George Williams, who's moved on. Tom Starling retains the number nine. Hodgson is going to be coming off the bench. And Valame, Semi Valame, makes way for Jordan Rapana. C.S. Oliola has been named on the bench. And Hudson Young has been dropped back to the reserves. And also gone is the debutante from last week, Brad Snyder. Uh, Elliot Whitehead had that crook finger that we saw, uh, but he's been named to play. And he was also charged with tripping, but he entered a not guilty plea. So I think he might have some carryover points. And the Raiders also confirmed... As we spoke about earlier, Charles Nickel Klogstad will not be returning. They've been waiting to see what happened with his neck. He now requires surgery. It's highly unlikely he'll play again this season unless they play finals football, which is a massive yeah, blow. So, um, and, uh, this is really, really hard because taking out Radley, taking out Crichton, looking at where they're at on their bench, they've still got some good players, but it's, it's a really big ask. And again, the Raiders have given me absolutely no reason to tip them or to want to tip them. But again, heading into origin, getting a couple of these guys back and everything they've been under. Stupidly, I'm going to go the upset. I'm assuming the Raiders are going to be the outsiders, but the, the Roosters just can't catch a break injury-wise or suspension-wise this year. So um, I think this is going to be closer than what people think. Yeah, I'm going to go the Roosters, but only to hope that I jinx and the Raiders win. Yeah, well, the odds are still heavily in their favour with Blue Bet. The Roosters are $1.26 despite the players they're missing. Uh, and for the Canberra Raiders, they get back, obviously, Hodgson, Whiten, but they're $3.80. And the line is minus 11.5. So, 
with a blue bet. So there's some hard games to tip this weekend. There's a couple of head-to-heads. There's teams with poor form. There's injuries and suspension. And moving into Sunday, it doesn't get any easier. You've got the Sharks up against the Gold Coast Titans, and they've had three suspended. Haroti, Dugan, and Teague Wilton are all out. So Ronaldo Mulitalo is finally back after a long-term knee injury. Wilton is replaced on the bench by Sasifa Talakai, who's also back from a four-game suspension. And Jesse Raymond is back from an eye injury to replace Josh Dugan. So timely to get some troops back there. Johnson's been named to return from his hamstring injury. It will be his 200th game. Chad Townsend dropped out of the side to the reserves. Andrew Fafita is back on the bench, and he takes Billy Magulis' spot. And for the Gold Coast Titans, David Fafita is back from suspension. Both more goes to the bench, and Sam Stone is out. Pat Herbert's back from his injury, so Isam Masters drops out of the side, and Ash Taylor is in the reserves. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. So this is up at Coffs Harbour. What do you reckon? Can the Titans put back-to-back games together? I think so. They need to. You know, I think last week and this week are two games that you look at and go, you want to play finals, like you have to win win these two. So I'll go with the Titans, but the Sharks victory wouldn't shock. Now, I'm going to go the Titans as well, but with zero confidence. Again, this is going to be a very difficult round. I think there'll be a couple of outsiders win. And with Blue Bet, they've got the Gold Coast slight favourites at $1.70. The Sharks, $2.15 and minus 2.5 is the line. But, yeah, I think this is going to be a nightmare week, in all honesty. Uh, this last one is probably one of the only ones I sort of looked at besides the Panthers game and thought, I know where I'm going. Knights up against the Manly Seagulls at McDonald Jones Stadium. And some good news, Caleb Ponga and Bradman Best are both back for a big boost for the Newcastle Knights, and boy, do they need it. Kurt Mann goes from fullback to 5'8". Phoenix Crossland goes to halfback with Blake Green, obviously announcing his retirement. And last week's debutante, Simi Sasagi, drops out of the 17 to make way for best for Manly. Curtis Siren is back from his injury. He'll go to the bench. Carl Lawton retains his spot after having a great debut game last week. I almost forgot about that. Uh, and he's been promoted from the bench to the run-on side. And Homoli Oleka R2... Drops out of last week's 17. He obviously copped a bit of a head knock. And Tawafawa Sipley and Lawton obviously escaped with fines. Dylan Walker, Kieran Foran are not expected to be back for a few weeks. So, yeah, on this side of things, definitely a bit of spark with Kalen uh, Ponga coming back in the halves, but not sure with Man and Crossland. That's going to be enough to get it done. Manly have obviously been rolling, so I'm going to stick with Manly. Yeah, Manly, mate. And, uh, Newcastle again. You're just waiting for him to show you something. And with the bookies, Blue Bet agree. $1.25 favourite are the Manly Seagulls. $3.90 for the Newcastle Knights. Minus 11.5 is the line there. And uh, looking at those games, we got two different. So Cowboys, Warriors. And uh, obviously Tip South with the upset there up against the Paramount Eels. But yeah, there's some games there you just really don't know. I think the Warriors, Cowboys is close. Tigers, Dragons, flip a coin. South Eels, who turns up? And Raiders versus the Roosters. There's so many injuries and suspensions here. There's four really difficult games there. And then, then Titans, Sharks. Who turns up? There's there's five games there that I'm just not confident at all. Yeah. So, difficult week for the tipsters, and especially if you're punting, that's for sure. Gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly. Mate, it's... It's one of those things, you know, don't get ahead of yourself. If it's a crazy round and the games are a bit unpredictable, hold on to your dollar bills until you find something worth putting your money on. You don't want to throw it down the toilet, mate. Don't go popping your load, mate. Yeah, Too mate. Early, mate. 
Well, there you go. Uh, interesting week. It hasn't been often or since probably COVID that we've done much over the phone box head. It's always a bit different, but we got it done. We got it done, mate. For the fans. For the fans. And apologies to Aaron Earler. Obviously, at the house, I can't control people opening garages and other bits and pieces, so you might have heard one or two sounds that were unplanned, but hey. Them's the swings and roundabouts. We're obviously not in a... No, at least it's not coughing this week. Nah. We've both, we're, we're both improved. Had a couple of messages about that. I think JJ out there, shout out, brother. Full thing. He goes, boys, I absolutely love the show, but for fuck's sake, stop coughing and clearing your throat. I've so- tried to seek some sponsorship from Strepsils or Vicks Vapor Drops or anyone out there. It's that time of the year, JJ, mate. What, what's that? It's that time of the year. Come on, brother. That's right. I said I... Man, I'm out there at 5am in the cold, working away. Brock's working with a thousand kids. It's 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 hard. Plus my own too. Oh yeah, they absolute sickness magnets. Those fuckers. But we're chasing it up. We'll see if we can get to Vicks vapor drops, Strepsils, someone on board to keep the throat and the pipes going. So good times. But for everybody out there. Getting close to the origin, that'll be the big topic for us on the weekend. I just honestly didn't think it was worth talking about with the carnage we've had with injury and suspension, and God knows what's going to happen this weekend. Are we seriously going to play game one in fucking Melbourne? Yeah, we are. That's ridiculous. I agree. If, if ever there was a year where you'd take it back to New South Wales and Queensland, this is the year. Yeah, game one. So here you go, Melbourne. Fucking AFL territory. Have game one yeah. of origin. After a restricted crowd last year. Seriously, yeah. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, well, like I said... Smarter people than me are making that decision. That'll be a big topic for us next week after another four or five players have either been injured or suspended and we have a better idea who actually is available to play State of Origin. So, uh, big point coming up, big round ahead. Let's see if a couple of teams can turn around and reverse their form. Let's see if a couple can bounce back. And let's see if the couple of the powerhouses, in particular Melbourne and the Panthers, just keep rolling on before this period strikes. And for everybody out there now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.